Well, what a great opportunity to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't just serve others, but you serve Christ. And man, it's an incredible thing that we're pointing to in our Replicate series. By the way, had a great time in worship today. Did you enjoy worship today? Did you enjoy worshiping the Lord with us? You know, there's something special about coming into the Lord's house and feeling His presence and sensing that He's moving in our hearts, and certainly we do. And He wants to move in your life today in a powerful way. He's giving you a call that He gives to every disciple who eventually follows Him. And those five calls that we've been looking at in our Replicate series are so important. Would you please take your Bibles and turn to Luke 9 today, Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. This is the fourth call that Jesus issues to his disciples. Now our replicate series involves being able to look at an overall chart about what it means to replicate discipleship in other people, replicate or pour the life of Christ into others. Just as he did his disciples, just as he does to us, we pour into others as well. So our replicate process uh, that you see on the screen is a process that involves a leader and a, a mentor E or an apprentice. And I want you to look at this with me for just a few moments. You'll see on the left side of the chart the five calls of Christ. The first one is come and see. And we began to look at how Jesus called his disciples to come and see. The second one is follow me. The Bible says immediately when Jesus said that to those disciples, they immediately dropped everything and began to follow him because they had come and seen who he was. So they began to follow him. The third one is abide in me. Last week we looked at that out of John 15, what it means to abide in Christ and what it means to let him pour into our life. Today we're looking at take up your cross and follow. So you'll see the process there. But as a leader leads an apprentice, you see the larger involvement of the leader at the first, which is what Jesus was doing with his disciples. And the disciples just had to be available at that first call. And then they had to be active as they went along. And finally, they became very, very involved in leadership. Now, this is what Jesus is doing. He is diminishing his influence physically with the disciples and letting them pick up a bigger role. If we look at the apprentice side, the apprentice side of that shows, first of all, we have a very small buy-in when it comes to discipleship at first. We're just available. And then as Jesus allows us to abide with him, we watch someone else do something. We are involved with them and we talk about it and our involvement grows. And now let's take up a cross and follow. It is as though the mentor is saying to the mentoree, as Jesus says to the disciples, you do, I help, we talk. He's giving them more and more responsibility and our, our activity gets more and more. So you have, like John the Baptist says, you know, he must increase, I must decrease. Jesus is pouring himself into the disciples, giving them more and more responsibility. That's what replicate is. We pour ourselves into others. But there's a little mark here in the middle of this chart, and it's that mark right there between being involved and being active. It's the word serve, serve. At some point, we have to begin to realize Jesus calls us not just to love him and not just to worship him, which is so incredibly important, it's primary. But we also are called to serve him. At Luke chapter nine, verse 23, Jesus makes his disciples aware it's time to serve. Let's stand together as we read this passage beginning in verse 23 of Luke chapter nine. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or his soul? 
For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the glory of the holy angels. But I say to you truthfully, some of their, there are some of you standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. A powerful call to the disciples. Not just come and see, not just follow me, not just abide in me, but now take up your cross and follow me daily. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us personally powerfully, spiritually. Help us to hear the voice of your spirit as well as the illumination for the words of the text today. And Lord, let not one of us leave this room today without having encountered you in some way or allowed you to encounter us in some way about our lives, about where we spend our time, our energy, our efforts. Father, we want them to be spent for your honor, for your glory. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated if you would. One of the greatest books ever written was a book written in the 15th century by Thomas A. Kempis, and the title of it was In Imitation of Christ. Now, the peculiar thing about this book was that after 15 centuries after the day of Christ, this man was writing about redefining what it means to really follow Jesus literally day by day. Very popular book with a lot of insights. More recently, in the late 1800s, 1896 to be specific, a man by the name of Charles Sheldon wrote a book called In His Steps, and it became a bestseller, the number two bestseller next to the Bible uh, of all time. And in that book, the simple call was this question, what would it be like if people actually lived their lives patterned after the steps of Jesus? What if we actually could live that, like that? What if our conversation centered around what Jesus said and what Jesus did and what Jesus would have us do day by day? What would life look like if we did that. And it's so profound, probably, because Christianity has moved so far away from the actual ideal of following Jesus every day and fully. From time to time, God will raise up a prophet to help us remember, hey, there's a greater call to Christ than we're often aware of. Francis Chan recently, in one of his statements, made this point. He said, we're actually hurting the church by turning Christians into consumers and customers. We're not called to be consumers, but to be servants. We're not called to be served, but to serve and give our lives a ransom for many, just like Christ did. And that's a prophetic call to a church that doesn't know that that's what we've done. Often we gauge what we do in Christendom and with the church by how pleased we are with the program instead of how pleased we are to be following Christ. We have to come back to that call. We have to have our minds refreshed about what does it mean to really follow Jesus. And Jesus makes it so plain here. I'm summarizing the entire message today by stating the statement. Christ calls us to selflessness, sacrifice, and surrender, in short, to serve him. And so today as we look at this text and what Jesus said to those disciples, I want you to remember Jesus is saying the same thing to you. His words are living, his words are alive. They may be 2,000 year old words, but they are also eternal words. And so not only did Jesus have this conversation with his disciples, but you as his disciples are having this conversation with him today. And here's what he says. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. What does that mean? There are three words that describe what that call means. And they're true for every one of us. 
The first thing it means is a call to selflessness. A call to selflessness. Jesus was calling his disciples to move away from a selfishness or a life centered around themselves. He was calling them to a selfless life that meant that he was going to point them in directions they hadn't thought of before. The way the words are used in the Greek, Jesus gives a very point of decision kind of call to the disciples. You need to make a decision. Will you deny yourself? And will you take up your cross daily and follow me? Are you ready to make that commitment to me? If you wish to come after me, if you wish to be a successor of my ministry, if you wish to fully follow me, you must do this. And at some point, you must make this decision to deny yourself. Now, that's a really strange statement for our ears today, isn't it? I mean, where do you hear that call anywhere except the Bible to deny yourself? Today, we're really living in a world where we are supposed to be giving ourselves all that we can. It's a day of self-love and a day of self-actualization and self-confidence and self-esteem and self-improvement and self-preservation and self-worth and self-identity and all the things that have to do with self. We're encouraged to live life as though everything that you want matters. And Jesus says, no, live life as though everything I say matters. A life of selflessness is countercultural. It's going to disturb you. It will disturb your family. It will bother those around you because once you begin to live a life of selflessness, people will question who exactly are you following? What exactly are you doing? But, but make no mistake, we must come to the place of self-denial before we can follow Jesus. John MacArthur made this statement in one of his commentaries, love of one's own life is the greatest hindrance to the call of Christ. Did you know that you can love yourself so much that you won't love Jesus enough to follow him? Did you know that you could love your life so much that you won't really want the life he offers you? And as temporary as our life is, we can make it pretty gaudy and pretty fun for a short period of time and we can miss the eternal significance of following Jesus fully. Selflessness. And Jesus almost, it seems, anticipates the responses the disciples are going to have because in the following verses, verse 24, for example, he anticipates this question. What about my life, Jesus? If you're asking me to deny myself, if you're asking me to lay down my nets, if you're asking me to do whatever it is that I have to leave behind to follow you, what about my life? And in verse 24, Jesus answers that, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one that will save it. That's profound. You mean I only find real life when I give up on my life? And Jesus is saying, yes, that's true. See, the real people, real hope, real life, we talk about all the time, is pointing towards the real abundant life that only Jesus can offer. He can only offer that as a replacement for what you have. It's not an augmentation. It's not something you add to your life. It's something that you replace your life with, and it's supremely better than anything you and I can have on our own. So we have to come to the place of saying, okay, self-denial means that, that I say no to the things that I would ordinarily say are important in order to say yes to the things that Jesus Christ says are important in my life. And it is countercultural. Now, I haven't been around a long time, but I've been around long enough to see the trends in 
the way we communicate with people today. Years ago, when I was growing up, there was a magazine that was popular with people. It was the most popular magazine called Life Magazine. Raise your hand if you remember reading Life Magazine. There was a magazine called Time and then a, Life, a magazine called Life. And I remember Life Magazine was a really, really big deal. Look Magazine was also out during those days. But really, it was a magazine depicting world events and things that would uh, bring us up to speed with what was happening around the world with life in general. A few years after life was so popular, another magazine began to be popular. It was called People Magazine. We moved from life in general to focusing on individual people, usually celebrities and sometimes normal people with extraordinary stories, but it began to be about people. Not long after that, a magazine replaced that. For a short period of time, it was called Us Magazine. And shortly after that, another magazine came on the stands and it was called Self Magazine. And after that, unbelievably, finally, another magazine called Me Magazine. Now, I want you to think about the trajectory of what the focus on human life has been over the last few years. From life, to people, to us, to self, to me. That's why I say you swim upstream across the current when you listen to a Jesus who says you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me, there has to be this element of self-death before you find the life that Jesus is offering. And it sounds gruesome and painful, but in reality, it's where life is found in him and not in us. Chuck Swindoll tells an amazing story that I'll never forget of two military men that were making their way up to the top of a mountain in, this, in the uh, French Alps back in the 40s. They were called to go to the top of this mountain at a military outpost to deliver a very important message and to carry out an important mission. And halfway up, they were hit with a snowstorm, what was eventually called a whiteout, where they could hardly see in front of them as they climbed up the mountain. They knew the path, they knew the way, but it was so incredibly cold that they feared that they would not make it. Shortly after a halfway point, they, they continued on up to the top of the mountain, determined to make it by end of day, and they stumbled over a body, and the body was a man that was also in the military that did not make it up, and he had succumbed to the, uh, to the cold temperatures and the snow, and he wasn't dead, but he was unconscious. And so the two soldiers making their way up had a conflict at that moment. One of them said, let's pick up the soldier who's unconscious, let's take him to the top and revive him and carry out our mission. And the other one said, no, we have to save ourselves. And so they couldn't come to agreement and the soldier who said we must save ourselves determined just to go back down to the bottom of the mountain. And he went down alone, leaving the other soldier with the unconscious man. And not knowing what to do, he simply picked the man up, put him over his shoulders, and with all of his energy, made his way up the mountain. An interesting thing happened as he made his way up that mountain as slowly as he was going. He had to work harder, his own body did, in order to get the man with him up the mountain. And so as he worked harder, his body actually grew warmer. And in time, as he made his way up to the mountain, the man whose body was being worn by this now very warm soldier going up was revived, and he was able to get off this man's back and walk on his own. And they together made their way to the top. But because he was willing to take that sacrifice and be selfless, he himself was saved, and they made it to the top. The mission was accomplished. A few days later, the weather cleared. They made their way down the mountain together and stumbled over a body. And I guess you can guess who it was. It was the man who decided to go on by himself. And he had succumbed to the temperatures and had died. Chuck Swindoll said, there's life in selflessness. 
We just don't know it until we deny ourselves to accomplish something greater. Jesus was saying this to his disciples. Saying, if you want to come after me, if you want to be a successor of my ministry, then that's great. I'm calling you to do that. But you must, you must give up on your own mission and give up on your own dreams and desires. You must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Selflessness. Secondly, sacrifice. You see, the second part of that, of that incredible command is about sacrifice. And by sacrifice, Jesus used the words, take up your cross daily. Again, a point of decision for all of us to not only decide to deny ourselves, but to decide to die to ourselves. The cross Jesus is talking about is not a cross of difficulty. Sometimes when we, uh, in our culture, talk about having a cross to bear, we talk about something hard, something difficult. We're going to follow Jesus even though we have our cross to bear. It's hard to do this, but we're going to do it. It may be it's hard to do this because of my circumstance, but I'm going to bear my cross and I'm going to keep following Jesus. Or it's hard for me to do this because of my job. Or there's a family situation that keeps me from following Jesus uh, more easily. But I'm just going to bear with it. It's difficult, it's hard, but I'm just going to go. But that's not what Jesus was saying. The cross in Jesus' vocabulary has nothing to do with hardship. It has everything to do with self-death. You see, Jesus' death took place on a cross. The cross was an instrument of death, the Roman Jews, to put others to death. And when Jesus spoke those words to those disciples, it was in an era and in a context where those same disciples had seen residents and citizens of Jerusalem and Bethlehem crucified along the roadways decades before when they had defied the Roman government. The Roman government responded by crucifying the citizen that had defied them. So when Jesus spoke of a cross, it wasn't a cross of costume jewelry. It wasn't a cross of hardship. It was a cross that meant only one thing, death. If any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, which can only mean one thing in the Bible, die daily. Die daily to everything that rises up and keeps you from following Christ, that keeps you from serving Christ. It's a radical call to give your life to Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says this, and he, he, he clearly conveys that he understands this call. He said, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In other words, it's reasonable for you because Jesus died on the cross to give you eternal life. It's reasonable for you. It's wise to you. It's the very best thing for you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to him. And to say, Lord, I deny myself and I die daily for the purpose of following you and for, for the purpose of letting your life live in me and through me. It's a life of sacrifice. Everywhere Jesus went, he taught his disciples, sacrifice is important. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, he who does not take up this cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. In other words, if you're not willing to die to yourself, what you're saying is those things in your own life that prevent you from following Christ are more worthy than Christ is. They're more noble than Christ is. They're more eternal than Christ is. And the reality is nothing is more noble, nothing is more worthy, nothing is better than Christ. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. It involves sacrifice. 
John chapter 12, Jesus is speaking about this sacrifice and here's what he says. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant must also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is our Gethsemane. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was going to the cross? It astounds me that even Jesus had to have these moments and walk through these moments in a way that's very visible and real to us today because we have it recorded in the scripture. But on his way to the cross, he had that time of prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. His disciples wouldn't even stay with him in prayer. And he kept coming out and checking on them three times, could you not tarry with me one hour in prayer? But in that prayer, we learn that Jesus prayed and sweated drops of blood. Think about the intense agony Jesus was going through in prayer. And Jesus' words in that prayer were the same kind of words we have to have in order to follow him. Jesus' words in that prayer were this, to the Father. Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, so be it. Nevertheless, Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Did you know today that if Jesus had not prayed that prayer, if Jesus had not given up his own life, you and I would not have eternal life today. We would not have worship with the Father. We would not have forgiveness of sin. We would be at war with God. But because Jesus allowed himself to be sacrificed for us, all of this that we have is possible because of his sacrifice. And our Gethsemane moment is that moment where we say, all right, Lord, I've lived life kind of the way I want to do it, and I've, I've mixed your call in with some of that stuff, but, but I'm going to be serious about following you completely. Selflessness and sacrifice I'm willing to do to follow you. Now, the third word is the word surrender. What a great word. If any man wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, the word follow me and the word come after me, they go together in Jesus' call to his disciples. If any man wishes to come after me and then they follow me at the end, those words are more significant than simply follow me down the street to where I'm living so you can see how I live and what I would say to you. These words mean if you would be a successor of mine, if you would do the things I do daily, if you would live after my life. And because Jesus knew he would at one point be crucified, buried, rise again, and leave planet Earth, leaving his Holy Spirit behind, he was saying to those disciples, if you're gonna carry the mantle of ministry that I carry, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. It shouldn't surprise us that follow me is the two words that Jesus uses here, because following God is a message all the way through the Bible, right? In the Old Testament, the Israelites followed God through the cloud, and through the pillar of fire. They followed God through the kings and the leadership they gave. They followed God through the prophets. They followed God in every way through his word. And now we follow God through the Lord Jesus Christ. All over the Bible, follow Jesus is very much what we know is there. Even in John 21, after Jesus is risen from the dead, he still said, follow me. It's a radical call. It means that you have to not be ashamed of him and be willing to give your everything to him. 
If you look down in verse 26, Jesus is answering the concern that they have for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the glory of the angels. You have to embrace me, all of me, all of my words, all that I call you to do to really be my disciple and follow me. When I was growing up, I grew up in a very small community in Oklahoma and uh, it was a town of about 700 people. And we didn't have a swimming pool and we didn't have uh, much of playgrounds. We had um, some things, but not a lot. And when we, when we played, we played in fields, we played in groves of trees and, and uh, on streets and so forth. And one of my favorite games was follow the leader. How many of you have played that when you were a kid, follow the leader? Really simple game, you have a leader, you have a number of other people and however many people you have, Everyone follows the leader. Now, if you have 10 or 12 people, then you may not even see what the leader is doing, but you're doing what the person behind the leader and the person behind him and the person behind them does, right? So as they act, wherever they go, whatever their footsteps head in, whatever direction it is, wherever they go, you follow them as they make their way through whatever area you're in. Follow the leader. Very simple concept. It's a concept that, that helps us know somebody ahead of us is leading the way. Whether we see them or not, we simply follow them, even if we can't. Now, that was a formative time in my life, and I can remember those games well. Very, very simple, right? Follow the leader. Jesus is calling us to follow the leader in a very real way. A number of years ago, I did some study, some research about Native Americans in the state of Oklahoma. One of the stories I came across was the story of Indians on the warpath. And one of the ways that this particular tribe of Indians battled was that they would go to a place to ambush or to a place to battle and they wanted their trail to be undetectable. So they would make the man who has the largest foot be at the head of the group of, of uh, soldiers that were going. And as he made his footprint in the sand or wherever it was, every other soldier behind him would put their steps in his exact footprints. So that if anybody came across that trail, they would only believe that there was one person there instead of many. Now I thought about that in the, in the light of following Jesus. Because in reality, that's what we're called to do. Look carefully at the footprints of Jesus and look carefully at those who are imitating Christ, who are following Christ, and as they imitate him, so we imitate him. I wish that I'd been there the day that Jesus said these things to the disciples, but I was not. I have the words, but I wasn't there. But Peter and James and John were there, and they began to follow Jesus. And those after them began to follow Jesus. And those after them, and generations and generations have passed, and now there are still people putting their feet in the footprints of Jesus. And the call of Jesus is that we do that. If any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me step by step, moment by moment, letting me work through you to change the world. That's the call that Jesus has for every single disciple. And the next step of that is to serve. Come and see, follow me, abide in me, take up your cross daily and serve. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You can't follow Jesus 
if you're not willing to serve Jesus. What's your next step there? Some of you today have said, I've come and seen Jesus. And I've seen him for who he is. And I've been overwhelmed by how much he loves me, by how his life was a perfect depiction of the Father in heaven. I am in love with Jesus, wanting to follow him. And some of you have said, I am now following Jesus. I've given my life to him. I've made the decision to, to trust him for my eternity, for my forgiveness, for my everyday life. Some of you have been abiding in him. Some of you are so full of the word of God. And now you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him and serve. He does not pour himself into you or just to be a receptacle. But you are a vessel full of the treasure that's to be poured out for other people. I want you to bow your head for just a moment, close your eyes. I want you to ask yourself the question, have I come to grips with this call to deny myself, to take up my cross daily and to follow Jesus? If selflessness, something that characterizes my life, is sacrifice, something that I do, is surrender, something that others can see in me. And is it a daily part of my life? If any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Can you see Jesus saying that to you? These are his words. This is what he says. His words are timeless. And he says them just as personally to you as he did to those standing there that day. If any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come to the front right now. And as they come, they'll be prepared to have conversations with you today. Come on up if you would. And they'll stand across the front. They'll face the congregation and you know, week after week, I say this to you. And week after week, I, I, I want you to know we're available to talk to you. This is really one of the best ways for you to be able to respond. But before I dismiss this in prayer, I want to finish the last part of this text. And the last part of this text has Jesus in verse 26 and 27 talking about his return. The return of the Son, the return of his angels, the return of glory. And he says to the disciples, some of you will not taste death until you see his kingdom come. What a powerful moment of urgency. The urgency that says, think about this, but you don't have long. Think about this, but every minute matters. Consider this, but people's lives hang in the balance because of this call on your life. How will you respond? And I want you to respond with the urgency that you feel Jesus must have had that day knowing he was going to the cross. And the reality of how important it is that you decide whether you'll follow him with your whole hearts. Would you stand with me right now? And as we stand, I'm going to lead us in prayer. I invite you to walk forward in a few moments at the end of the service. Just make your way to the front. Don't worry about anybody else or anything else. There's time for people to talk to you, to answer questions. And today, if you have a question, I promise you, you'll leave knowing the answer, knowing the next step. I want to encourage you today to take those next steps, to serve Him, to follow Him. But most importantly today, 
to respond to the call of Christ personally. Would you bow? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for every person in this room and the fact that they're here today listening, worshiping, praying, deciding. Father, help them to make the decision that Christ calls them to make here and now. And Lord, I ask that you allow no one to leave today without having come to grips face to face with you and your divine call in our lives. Father, thank you for calling us to love you, to serve you, to follow you. And Lord, today we will say yes in Jesus' name. Amen.